Welcome to Pop Culture on the Rocks. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Pop Culture on the Rocks. This week, we're doing a little bit of a different episode. I, well, speaking my future self, will be (laughs) in Colorado, quarantined in a cabin. Cabin? Why did I think cabin and cabinet? Anyway, I thought I said cabinet. (laughs) I hope you won't be in a cabinet. Goodness. Anyways, yeah, I will be on vacation next week. So we thought, hey, maybe we should do kind of like a try a little something different, um, and not talk about Big Brother, I guess, for once, but that'll be hard to do, but anyway. We're still watching the feed, so we know things are going on, Yes, we know the spoilers currently, uh, what's going on, so that'll be interesting. Anyways, um, my name's Anna, I'm here with Callan, and we are Pod Culture on the Rocks, Uh, I do want to go ahead and get us started that um, we would love to connect with you over social media. If you're on Twitter, we are on Pop Culture OTR, Instagram, Pop Culture on the Rocks podcast, and our email is popcultureotrpodcast at gmail.com. So feel free to hit us up, and we'd love to hear any recommendations that you have for us, anything like that. We'd love feedback. Just anything. We'd love to hear from people. So, Callan, how you doing? What you watching? I, since early quarantine, isn't that funny how that's time now? Yes. Um, I needed something to, like, put on in the background, especially, like, when I'm going to bed or doing stuff around my room or whatever, and... I'm the kind of person that I love to like sit and watch something and not be distracted because I like to focus in and not miss anything. Yeah. Um, but I needed a show that I could just, if I missed something, I wasn't that upset about it. So I actually started Heart of Dixie. And okay. I am, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm currently on season three. There are four seasons total. Um, if you never saw Heart of Dixie when it was on, it was a CW show, which should already tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> um, it has Rachel Bilson, who was um, famous for The O.C., mm, but yes. this has her in a different role. And it also has the guy who played Jason Street on Friday Night Lights, who mm. I, I did love him on there. So it's all right. Now, I will say that if you have watched Virgin River on Netflix, it has a very similar plot. Now, obviously, this was on before Virgin River. It actually has the older doctor who is on Virgin River is also the older doctor on Heart of Dixie. Interesting. So when I started, I was like, am I just like watching Virgin River again? (laughs) Um so, yeah, I mean, the first couple seasons were pretty good, I feel like. The third season starts getting a little bit like, what are we doing? But, you know, it's just something that I can put on, and I ha- I have really had to get used to the southern accents. Um, for anyone mm. listening, I don't know if you can tell, but we are southern. 
<laughs> these are real accents and the ones on heart of dixie are not at all and <laughs> it usually bugs me a lot to hear anyone try to do a southern accent there are very few that i've seen where i feel like it's sounds pretty good yes but yeah i just had to like get over that so anyway <laughs> and just move on yeah I just had to let it go. Um, but yeah, so I've been watching that um, and I'll finish it at some point. <laughs> One of these days. Yeah. I've never seen any episodes of that show. So maybe you'll have to have a education segment whenever you um, finish it, whenever that may be. Well, I recently finished, well, somewhat recently. I also started it early quarantine as well. I have been watching Prop Culture on Disney Plus. <gasps> I've wanted okay, to see that. Okay, that, that title, Prop Culture, is, like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we are pop culture, so I'm I'm sensing there could be a crossover here at some point. But Heck yeah. Anyway, that series is so good. Highly recommend it. Even if you're not really, like, a Disney person and you just enjoy, like, the movie Magic then I think you would enjoy it because oh, it's so good. They have like a Mary Poppins episode, a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Nightmare oh. Before Christmas, Chronicles of Narnia. It's so good. Wow. So I highly it, recommend. It shows you like the how they built the props for those movies. Sometimes like, so it's this main guy who's like, he's kind of like a big prop collector. And he like, travels around the country meeting with different people who have these certain props. And sometimes he will reunite one of the actors with one of those pieces of props. And it is so cool. Oh, it's like cool. a sweet moment. And like, I think they do a good job of incorporating a lot of stories behind the movie. And yeah, I really recommend it. Um, Speaking of... I can't remember his name off the top of my head. You are good with actor names. The dad from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it starts with an R, like Rick. My brother would be, like, yelling at me. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I- I'm sorry. I totally threw that to you, like, without any warning. Well, see, I, I mean, I know his face so well. Um, yeah. But... And I, I gasped because I was, like, scarred by the, the attraction at Disney for some reason. Um, yeah. But I really did like it. Uh, Rick Moranis is his name. Yes. Okay. You know, he's kind of been MIA for a long time because yeah. he, like, went back to raise his children and stuff. And he was actually on Prop Culture. Um, oh, cool. The host interviewed him. So that was really cool to see him. And they talked about... A lot of like how they, how that that movie did a great job with kids and making things seem so realistic. A big a big talking point was like the big ant that the kids interacted with, uh-huh. and so that's kind of what it is. It's like maybe talking about a central prop piece and how it helped the actors or helped the movie or something like that. So yeah, I really recommend it. It's really good very like informative like I learned a lot that I never would have learned before yeah and yeah it just made me appreciate things more so anyway 
highly recommend that. It's on Disney Plus. So, Callan, what are you drinking? So, I'm a huge fan of hard cider. Mm-hmm. I got into it when I was in Ireland. And even though my favorite cider of all time is hard to find because it's not as common over here, I do what I can. And I got a new one from Trader Joe's um, that I not tried and it's called um it's from the tailgate cider company Hmm. and um it's in a can and it says not too sweet not too dry like fresh pressed apple juice with a little something extra so (laughs) yeah um, i like the packaging you showed me that's cool yeah it's a really cool can and um i actually really like it i i don't like super sweet cider um, and I would say the description is accurate, that it is not too sweet. So, yeah, it's good. Awesome. I, in the same trend, I'm also drinking hard cider. Um, mine is Angry Orchard, per the usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so, nothing really uh, of note there. It <laughs> is the, good. <laughs> just the classic I've had it before. Flavor. Yes, just the original flavor in the glass. Used nice. a bottle opener and everything. So. Wow. Hardcore. Yeah, super, super <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, what is your favorite cider? You mentioned it, but when you were in Ireland, what was your favorite? My favorite cider over there is called Bulmer's. It's just unbeatable um, on draft. <laughs> and um, it's actually in America. It's marketed under the name Magners. So it's the same logo, but it's just a different name. Um, but I've only been able to find it at like certain Irish pubs. Like there's only one place in Mississippi that has it. (laughs) Um, otherwise I've found it like when I've been traveling like to Atlanta or something. So yeah, if you see it at the pub you are hitting up, then try it because it's, it's unmatched. <laughs> Definitely. I You got me with a glass of it when I was visiting you, so I would agree with that. I'm pretty sure I made every person try it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had to try that, and then we had to have a Guinness, so. So, speaking of traveling, what's a reason why we should be on The Amazing Race? So, Anna, one reason why... We, hashtag Team Calanna, should be on The Amazing Race, (laughs) is because I personally have experience being dramatically separated from someone on a subway. And I just feel like we are prepared for any obstacle that could come, (laughs) especially because of this, because we can keep our cool. So Anna and I have traveled a lot together. Um... We talked about that in our last episode, too. We're really good at staying, like, calm under pressure, but I think it's super valuable on the race, and this specific scenario has actually happened to me twice. Um, The first time it happened, my friend Miriam, who is my other travel buddy, we um, met while we were studying abroad. We were in Rome getting on, I think they call it the metro there, it's super crowded because they only they have very few lines that you can get on. So it is like packed to the brim, which nowadays is like a terrifying thought. 
Um, right. <laughs> but so it starts dinging. You know how that happens when it's about yeah, the like doors. Yeah, you better are hurry about, up and get in. Yeah. Yeah, the doors are about to shut. And so we're like kind of running towards it and she hops on. And then the next thing I know, the door shuts. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just standing there like, uh, <laughs> uh now what <laughs> yeah and it's one of those like movie moments because everyone on the train is like looking at us seeing us separated <laughs> and I'm just seeing her through the glass and I'm trying to like mouth to her get off at the next stop <laughs> right um and we kind of had like plans for this but you're always like, wait, this is actually happening. So off she goes on the metro. I'm waving goodbye to her. So I wait for <laughs> it to the next one to come and I get on. And when I get to the first stop, we're slowing down and out the window, I just see Miriam running <laughs> across, <laughs> across the way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to get off. Like, where is she going to go? I don't know what's going to happen. So I get off and um, thankfully, like, I saw her and we reunited. And less dramatically, the same thing happened to me where my current roommate, Caitlin, hopped on the little tram that takes you around, like, the airport. This was in Newark, New Jersey. And she got on and I was left behind. And again, everyone on the cart was like looking at me, just staring Knowing off. something's happening. Yeah. I just have experience with traumatic travel and I know you do too. And I just feel like if we can conquer these things in real life, then we can definitely do it on the race. Definitely. I agree. We have a lot of practice navigating navigation. <laughs> public transportation I should say yeah there's no other way to put it we've been through some some things I'm sure we'll tell more stories in the future but yeah I just oh, think definitely we're... so many stories I think today we want to like I said at the beginning we're kind of doing something different today we're going to talk about some shows that are on Netflix that we have enjoyed um, three specific ones that we both have seen uh, some of them somewhat recently and some of them hmm, a little while ago. But yeah, I'm really excited to talk about these three stories. All three of the things we'll be talking about are documentaries that were Netflix originals. And um, we have mentioned before how we love documentaries we have so many random interests that we like to know a little bit about everything, I feel like. Yes. So Netflix documentaries are great for that. So the first one that we want to talk about is something that came out this year, and it's called Athlete A. And I'm sure most people are familiar with the story behind this documentary, but I personally learned a lot. And overall... It has amazing reviews. Um, I'm pretty sure it got like a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's just very high quality, very well done. And I mean, it's something that as an American, I feel like we should all be familiar with. I feel like for the majority of people, they probably have at least heard a little bit about what all has been going on with the U.S. gymnastics over the last, what, like several decades mm -hmm. but there's been a lot of abuse 
abuses in physical, emotional, and sexual abuse is specifically what we talk about majority-wise in Athlete A. And something that I really liked about Athlete A specifically is that there are a lot of documentaries out there, a lot of podcasts, movies, any kind of medium, and there is such a problem with the media focusing on the person who did all of these horrible crimes to people. And a lot of times the victims can be hidden in that. And so I really appreciated that they highlighted the survivors and had the opportunity for them to share their stories and just the amount of trauma that they've dealt with over these past several years. And sexual trauma is so such, you know, it can just be so deeply rooted in your identity and something that can, I mean, it does affect the rest of your life in one way or the other. So that's something I really appreciate. Athlete A did a great job of highlighting the survivors and not focusing so much on the guy who did all of these things. We both love true crime, you know, documentaries, podcasts, stories and we really lose sight of the victims like you said so um or the survivors I should say so I just think that um this documentary did a really really good job of showing the bravery of the gymnasts and also showing the families specifically Maggie Nichols is a main um person in this documentary and her parents experience and I don't know just to see the whole how the whole family's affected and how they were even under this spell of the U.S. gymnastics you know lore. So in the documentary it follows a team of investigative journalists from the Indianapolis Star who actually broke the story of Larry Nassar and I thought it was very interesting to hear from those journalists and their experience of receiving stories about him and that's the thing with being a journalist is you have to deliver the news no matter how bad it is and especially if you are the keepers of this information and you you know that this is going to be something that changes the country and you have that not only power but that burden on you to not only deliver that news, but also to make sure you get it right. So it was really, I think, good how they they showed that process as well um, and how they handled the influx of stories they got from gymnasts from the 90s all the way to recent years. Right. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Um, There's a lot, the main conversation is regarding the sexual assault and the sexual abuse that had been going on for so many years, but they also touch on the Carolis who have been kind of the face of U.S. gymnastics and kind of seen as like, if you are coached by them, you are going to be the top of your game. And unfortunately, the last that I've seen from this story, the Carolis have not said that they knew anything about the sexual abuse that was going on, but the U.S. team, the U.S. gymnastics has 
cut ties with the Carolis and um, their gym has been closed. He is accused of assaulting over 250 young women and girls. And it's just sickening that if the U.S. team had heard that first girl who spoke up, then who know where you know who knows where we would be today. You know how many young girls could have been saved from that amount of trauma. It's just it makes you sick to your stomach just thinking about it. It's very upsetting when you know that people in power have information and they're not doing anything about it. It's unbelievable. Um, It was really sad for me as a person who has grown up watching USA Gymnastics and um, loving it to see these people that I have like idolized in some way or heard about even going back to you know Carrie Strug. What I think the most one of the more powerful things as far as the mentality that they drive into them there was We have all watched the clip of her doing the vault after she had just broken her ankle. And in the documentary, they point out, we look at that as like, wow, look at this American hero who can push through anything and is so dedicated to her team and her country that she's going to do this second vault, even though she's in horrible pain. And he pointed out that that was not a choice for her. It was never a, maybe I shouldn't do this. The mentality they drill into her is, I have to do this no matter what. I don't have a choice. And I think that's what's really sad is that their choice in all of this was taken away. It's really sad because that that's the mentality that she was taught for who knows how long. It shows how humans can be in that they value money and success and royalty almost, which is what they were. They value that over, you know, children and their well-being. Exactly. And using that power to abuse others because this guy was a doctor and was trusted by these girls and their families and he used his power of yeah I know how to help you with your injuries and this is how it's supposed to be done and using that power against those girls and their families who trusted him ah it's heartbreaking it really is I loved the ending of the show again showcasing the survivors and what they've been through and how they've accomplished so much after this and not letting, you know, moving past that trauma. I can't imagine how difficult that would be, especially years and years and years seeing him over and over again and knowing that he's probably doing it to more gymnasts. But I loved the end of the show. Um, He was convicted um, and is spending... I think 175 years in state and federal prison. So one of the most moving parts for me was at the end of the show, at his hearing, all of the survivors were able, had the opportunity to give a survivor impact statement. And that was so moving. Them finally being able to speak up and have their voice be heard 
after being silenced for so long and being silenced by so many people. I mean, pretty much our country included. So that that part of the show, I mean, if you don't watch anything else, I think that part's so moving and those women and their families are amazing. Even the ones who don't get up and say an impact statement, just them speaking out and oh yeah it's very moving well somewhat shifting gears but still in a nonetheless very sad uh frame of mind um the next documentary we want to talk about is team Foxcatcher. uh it follows dave and mark schultz and john dupont david and mark were part of the wrestling team and John DuPont is a billionaire with a B um, who was really just infatuated with the idea of wrestling and he was not a large person in stature uh, to where he was not a wrestler himself but was just so ingrained in that community And he really worked to train wrestlers to prepare them for um, competitions and, you know, the largest ones in their sport. And unfortunately, uh, John DuPont was, it's, I mean, if you look at his court statements, um, he had some mental issues is what was said, Um, but ultimately... John DuPont murdered Dave Schultz and he was convicted and ended up dying in prison. So it's just a super sad, heartbreaking story um, because the Schultz were, had such a, a relationship with John and trusted him and yeah, it's, it's a very sad story, and but again, I think it is important to know um, because, again, it's kind of a theme that was seen in Athlete A where people with money, people with power can abuse that in order to take advantage of other people and trying to get whatever it is that they want. One thing that was really sad about this story to me was Dave was pretty much John's only friend and the only one that somewhat understood him and was patient with him. You know, Dave and his family lived in a house on John's property. He was a big part of the facilities that John built and was running, and they just had such a close um, relationship It's just devastating that Dave was killed by his friend who, you know, I've seen that. I've seen that neither the defense nor the prosecution really had an idea of a motive for John. It's really awful, um, not only from the standpoint of, you know, this legacy that they were building, but, you know, Dave was married and had uh, kids. And that's really ultimately the saddest part is that um, he was taken away from them. It is. And, um, you know, again, I think it's important for us to highlight Dave Schultz and the amount of success that he had 
not in his, only in his career, but even more so in the family that he has. There was also a movie that came out called Foxcatcher, which, Callan, you said you have not seen? Correct. I have not seen the movie. I would love to see it because the cast it looks amazing. Yeah, I don't know if it's on streaming services right now. Um, we'll have to look that up, but it it's a great film, and yeah, the cast is amazing. <laughs> Basically, the, the main three people, um, Steve Carell plays John DuPont, Channing Tatum plays Mark Schultz, and Mark Ruffalo plays Dave Schultz, and those three men, I would never cast or think of being in such a heavy film like this but all three of them deliver in a in an amazing way um and they have academy award nominations to prove it but i do think the movie is great and does tell the story but i i am the kind of person who more so encourages people to watch a documentary over a movie per se just because sometimes I don't know. So to me, documentaries, I feel more, especially this one, because it has the actual people in it. Like, all of these people you see and hear from, which to me is even more moving because you get to know these people, obviously not on a personal level, but you develop an emotional connection to those people and can really see what they're all about. And yeah, I... I do recommend watching both. I think they're both really great. But if you were going to pick one, I would suggest watching the documentary. But that's just a personal opinion. The next Netflix documentary we wanted to talk about is a little bit lighter. Um, it's called Seven Days Out. And it is a docuseries that was released on December 21st of 2018. Um, so... This is one that I was recommended by a friend, and I never really saw it making, like, the Netflix rounds as far as trends or popularity goes. Um, so I feel like it is in some ways overlooked, but it's really enjoyable and um, a really easy watch. So the concept is it has seven episodes, and... In each episode, you see the seven days leading up to a major event. So you see the organizers and all the planners getting things ready for this specific event. Then you also get to see some featured people um, from each of these events. So there are some competition-style episodes like the Kentucky Derby. You see the week leading up to... The Derby, so we see not only the jockeys and the horses, but also some of the owners and the betting and things leading up to getting that event ready, which is really cool. Uh, along the same lines, kind of, we have Westminster Dog Show has its own episode, which is just really cute and fun. And there's some featured dogs and their owners, kind of like favorites to win. Um, that you get to see leading up to that event. And then you also get to see like how they actually perform in the final competition. If you are not in the gaming world at all, or don't really understand 
how it is, how it's become what it is. There's an episode about the League of Legends tournament, which honestly is amazing to see the level (laughs) that it's at. You get to know some of the gamers and like their stories, which I found really fascinating. Um, And I just think it kind of opens people's eyes to how big the gaming world is and the competitive level it has now. One of my favorite episodes, if not my favorite, was about 11 Madison Park, which is a restaurant in New York City that has actually been at the top of the list of the top 50 restaurants in the world. And in their episode, they were undergoing renovation. So we saw the seven days leading up to their renovation, which is a really big deal. And just a fun fact to to slide in there. I looked up how much it costs for someone to eat there. And it's about $300. Oh my gosh. (laughs) For a meal. I mean, I guess I can believe that. (laughs) So you know it's good. Or at least it's got to be. Well, and so I saw that during the um, pandemic, they have obviously had to shut down. So they started producing meals for food insecure people in New York City, which is really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. But apparently reopening could be too expensive. So the future of the restaurant is in question, which is really sad. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I hate that for any any business out there. Yeah, I mean, that is something that is obviously affecting restaurants around the country and the world. So you also have an episode about Chanel's Haute Couture fashion show, and you see them prepping for that. Um, And I was amazed because obviously I've grown up always knowing what Chanel is, and it was so cool to see them making the garments, you know, by hand, getting ready for the fashion show, learning a little bit more about, you know, the thought process and the methods used at Chanel. It was so cool. Obviously, we're in Paris, so, I don't know, you see people that have been working at Chanel for decades, which is fascinating to see what they do every day. Then there is an episode about Cassini, which is a robotic spacecraft that had been orbiting um, Saturn since 1997. It orbited for almost 20 years, and its life was coming to an end, so you saw the seven days leading up to the end of its mission, where they actually had to self-destruct the spacecraft. And it was, I mean, it was actually emotional, because, I mean, it was orbiting for 20 years. So you have people at NASA that have been working on this mission their entire career, so you got to see how it was affecting them and they were basically having to say goodbye to a family member. That's what it felt like to them. So it was super interesting. Yeah, that was the thing that I really enjoyed because I'm not in any way part of these worlds at all. And sometimes I feel like when you don't understand something, you may kind of judge it prematurely. Like, why in the world do people compete for money over a video game? Or why are people paying thousands of dollars for a piece of clothing? It's just like something I don't know about. And so I automatically just am like, that makes no sense. And so I just kind of turn away from it. And I think this show does a great job of highlighting 
all the different kinds of people who were on that path, like several of them, especially like the competition ones, they showcase people who are legends who've been doing this for so many years and then rookies who have just joined it and talking about the amount of hours that people put in practicing or working hard, um, learning how to cook certain foods and showcasing those kinds of things or with a fashion just like the amount of work that goes into all of that and hello being a NASA space uh, employee would be amazing so that was my main takeaway from the show was that it did a great job of educating people about these worlds and really making you appreciate the amount of time and talent that these people have in whatever field that they're in and shows that like wow this is like a real deal either um, a space mission or like competition, an art show, or having probably the best meal of your life. So yeah, I just think the concept is really awesome in the sense that we can dive deep into these worlds that you know we may never get a chance to experience in real life, um, and we can not only get a glimpse and kind of understand it better, but we can also come to appreciate it more and have respect for the people that are putting so much work into these big events that we hear about. So yeah, it's a fascinating show. I really hope we get more seasons um, and that it picks up some popularity because I think it really deserves it. Well, there you have it. Those are just a few of our Netflix documentary recommendations. We're always up to hear more. So if you have some suggestions, send them our way. Like Anna mentioned earlier, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and by email. So send us your documentary suggestions, what you want us to watch, what you want us to drink, what you want us to discuss next time. And um, yeah, thanks for listening and we will talk to you all next time. Cheers!